A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. And a warm welcome to Book Off, the literary podcast with a difference. I'm Joe Haddow, and whether you're a new listener or one of the old stalwarts, it's lovely to have you with us. And before I introduce my guests, a quick bit of admin to remind you that if you've missed any of our other episodes in this series, with guests such as Joanne Harris, Alex Horn, Sebastian Folks, Bella Mackey, Jeremy Vine, Fern Britton, Charles Yu, Richard Powers and Katie Wicks, they are all available to listen to anytime you like. And if you click the subscribe button from wherever you listen to Book Off, you'll never miss an episode. How fabulous for you. Right, on with today's episode. And today I'm joined by two writers who will be going head-to-head in a war of the words a little later on. My first guest is an award-winning journalist and presenter who, over his illustrious career, has worked at the BBC, the Financial Times, and now as ITV's political editor and host of the politics show, Peston. Bet you can't guess who it is. He's also written four critically acclaimed non-fiction books and has just published his debut novel, The Whistleblower, which he'll be telling us all about today. I am, of course, talking about Robert Peston. Hello and welcome to you, Robert. It's a great pleasure to be with you. Thank you for having me. Lovely to have you with us. And my second guest is a practising barrister with almost 30 years' experience. He doesn't look it. His debut novel, You Don't Know Me, was a Radio 2 book club choice, long-listed for the Theakston Old Peculiar Crime Novel of the Year Award, say that after a few pints, and has just been adapted for the screen. Here to tell us about his latest novel, I Know What I Saw, it's Imran Mahmood. Hello to you. Hello, Joe. Thank you so much for having me. Very, very excited to be here. Uh, lovely to have you both with us. How how are you? How do we find you? I know you're both extremely busy. Robert, you've got a million projects going on. Um, thank you for, for carving out some time. How, how are we? I think I'm all right. I mean, it's, I've had two exhausting weeks because um, I've been covering all this, you know, saving the world from climate damage stuff yes. for, you know went to went to Rome for the G20 and then straight on to Glasgow for the for COP26 so it's I'm feeling um uh, you know a little a little stronger if I'm honest with you it's quite nice to be back in my own bed <laughs> and how about you Imran you've been you've been working I, I imagine quite mostly remotely have you well uh, um as I was saying to you earlier uh, just off air that um 
because of the pandemic, we ha- we've had to do a lot of cases um, remotely on Zoom. So I've been, been become quite an expert. But we've just started <laughs> to open the doors to the to the courtrooms. Mm. So uh, there's more and more hearings now in person. Although the the criminal uh, trials were, were always in person, but um, the other kind of preliminary hearings or the civil cases were often by Zoom. So I, I, you know, I've been cross examining people in their bedrooms. But the back of the back room is apparently terrible. Yeah, it's an utter disaster. And, and in fact. It's been pitched by the government as, as something which is entirely pandemic related, but it's not. It's been it's been that way for at least two years before uh, we had mm-hmm. we were anywhere near pandemic, and it's to do with funding, chronic underfunding, and making sure there aren't enough judges available to do cases. The whole thing's a disaster, I'm afraid. Wow. Well, we won't dwell on that because we're here to talk about books and there's no disaster in books, especially not your two latest novels. So over the next 30 minutes or so, we'll talk about those books. We'll get some recommendations of what you've been reading and enjoying recently. And of course, we'll do the book off where each of you gets three minutes to tell us about a book you love and you think that we should all read. And I will decide which one to take home with me. And I have to say, Robert, um, Imran's already been nobbling me about his book. Trying to get a few extra points in, so he's, uh, he's, he's trying to he's, he's, he's trying to novel the the, the contest. He's That's trying like, to I, influence the decision. Yeah. I can corroborate all of that. I mean, it's true. <laughs> Um, so let's talk about the um, the whistleblower, Robert. This is your debut novel, as I said, and a right royal romp of a thriller it is too, set against the backdrop of the ninety seven general election perhaps you could just set up this story for us for those that haven't uh, got to it yet yeah so uh as you say we, we it's a few uh couple of months to go before the 97 general election um and i try and capture the sort of sort of feverish atmosphere that i sort of lived through then i was a political editor actually at the time uh and sort of lived and breathed that election and it felt like a, it did feel like a sort of momentous period of of British history. We'd had the Tories in power since 1979, most of that time Margaret Thatcher, a period of great strife in the 1980s and divisions. And there was a sort of, there was a sort of general optimism around the place that somehow um, the election of a sort of modernised new Labour government would bring us together again. And Mm. it felt, you know, I think you're probably both uh, just about old enough to remember. I mean, it did feel a bit of like a time of, 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 of optimism. But um, my, my story is all about getting underneath the surface of, of politics, and to be clear, every character you know, there's you know, there's no Tony Blair or Gordon Brown in the book. These are all fictional characters. You know, we've got fictional pol- political leaders, mm-hmm. uh, fictional prime minister, um, but at the heart of it is, believe it or not, I was a political editor at the time, a political editor. <laughs> uh, whose sister gets killed in a hit and run accident on a bicycle and um you know it it's all it's 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 about whether this was an accident he he begins to uh, and she she's a very powerful uh, or, or rising star in the civil service and one of the things he discovers uh is that she's working on very sensitive stuff stuff that could be damaging um particularly to certain business interests and certain people in the government. And it's a sort of thriller around, essentially, um, how far people at the top of business or politics would go to protect their reputations. Uh, 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 and it's, it's also a bit about um, 
the particular journalist's dysfunctional relationship with his family and how he tries to rebuild it. So there's a mm. bit of a human, bit of the human, and there's also quite a lot of um, tense. We hope sort of you know thrilling, uh, exciting stuff related to corruption in politics. It certainly is that, yeah. And you you mentioned being old enough to remember it, and obviously I am extremely young, but I do I do just about remember ninety seven, and um, I can't hear D Ream without thinking about it anymore. It's like that that, that 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 things can only get better comes on, and it's I'm just taken right back there. To that I, I can't iconic stand moment. that song. So the one thing I I I, I thought to myself, I'm not going to refer to D Ream or well, things can only get better. I actually broadly there's a different anthem for 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 my Labour Party, which is I use Blur. As, as much uh, better, much uh, better. As, yeah. as, as, as their election uh, anthem, because I just thought I cannot listen to things <laughs> again. I can't hear it, even in my own head. Not even the I can't even write the lyrics down. You know, it's, <laughs> no. <laughs> and, and Imran, your your new novel tells the story of um, a former banker who's been living on the streets. Can you set up this new story for us? Yeah, so, so we've got Zander, who is an ex-Oxbridge graduate. He's, but he's now, when the book opens, he's living on the streets. Um, and so then one dark and literal stormy night, uh, he yeah. is weaving his way through Mayfair. And it's so kind of wet that he um, decides to take shelter under a, in a doorway. But that doorway, the door opens and he finds himself inside this Mayfair flat. He thinks it's empty. And so he's there just to dry off. And just as he's getting himself together, he hears the occupants returning. And so he hides behind a sofa. And uh, whilst he's there hiding and they're kind of sniffing the air, wondering what the strange smell is, he uh, ends up witnessing one of the two occupants murdering the other. And so then he kind of runs. He escapes into the night. The Sirens are kind of blaring everywhere. And eventually he goes to the police and tells them that this is what he saw. And they don't believe him. And they don't believe him because of who he now is. Um, and they worry about his kind of fractured state of mind and his, how he presents. But also when they go and investigate, there's no body. The house or the flat is nothing like he's described it. Um, and so it's a kind of impossible murder in an impossible mm. place. And um, yeah, so that's really what it's about. And it, but also at its heart, it's um, a book about privilege and memory, I suppose, and how, you know, in a way, memory is an illusion. We, 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 this is the kind of thing that we get um, in court quite a lot. So we have judges who direct juries and they will say things like trauma affects the way, we know that trauma affects the way that, the um, brain lays down memory hmm. and so you begin to wonder whether memory is a real thing and you know how I remember something will be remembered totally differently by somebody who's witnessing the same thing and so then hmm. you know where is truth and which bits of the memory are we holding on to and are the bits that we are jettisoning are we doing that because we you know we don't want that to form part of our personalities are we are we kind of Cutting, cutting the nasty bits out. Mm. I'm, fa I'm always fascinated by memory and, and you know, the way that, that it can fade and change over time, which is, a, a, as you say, a theme in this book very much so. Um, and for something, and I know yours, your book, Robert, is, is f fiction as well, but 
you know, because it's set against this backdrop of, of 97, were you relying on memories from that time or did you sort of go back and look at news stories and various other things to, to really get a sense of the time and place? Um, I sort of lived and breathed it and, and therefore it was still sort of with me, really. Mm. Um, I mean, I talked to one or two mates just to refresh my memory of sort of certain uh, sort of processes that you know that 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 were relevant to the narrative that i wanted to uh or the story i wanted to tell um and uh i mean because this is my first um fiction i've written four non-fiction books um i in a way sort of decided to make it marginally easier on myself by writing about a time and place that um, I was steeped in, rather yeah. than researching and uh, researching a situation from 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 scratch, um, and and uh, I mean it's some you know, so one thing that um, I think my book probably does have a bit in common with with Imran's is um, there's a lot about privilege in the book. There's a lot about. Uh, the, the sort of small networks of people, particularly from the same kind of universities or schools that run this place, yeah. uh, about the sort of incestuous relationships at the top of business and politics and the media. Um, uh, uh, I mean, uh, there isn't... Um, I mean, I think everything that Imran said about memory is such an interesting uh, area to explore. Um, <laughs> Uh, there's less in in this case this is less about different recollections of situations but, but there are lots of um sets of facts that he uncovers which turn out to be capable of very different interpretations and for, you know as is the case with you know you know, in the sort of classic thriller of this sort you know he'll see one set of facts and he'll assume that one person was responsible for a terrible crime you know when in fact he's just putting the wrong interpretation on 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 what happened and mm. you know th th these you know these 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 failed interpretations are very similar to what one does with one's own memory when you know two different people can see the same set of events and have a completely different take on what's actually happening as it as it as 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 it were subjectivity is is um you know I mean it probably wouldn't be fiction without subjectivity <laughs> as it were, <laughs> see what I mean yeah. uh but yeah. um uh, so, but so you know, it's a it's it's a funny book in the sense that lots of people have, have a huge, you know. So, for example, lots of people have said the central character is you, and he sort of is me, sort of my evil twin. Um, uh, so there are certain things that he, that are, that are part of him that you know. So he has uh, quite significant OCD. I, I have you know, particularly when I was that age, I had you know, obsessive compulsive order disorder, which I really found that these days I've got strategies to control it better, but I didn't really then. And he mm -hmm. has that. He's also relentless and obsessive when he's pursuing a story, which I absolutely had and um, still to an extent have. But I mean, my God, in, you know, in, in the 1990s and in my 30s, all I wanted was the scoop or I wanted to get to the, you know, I wanted to, in, to do an investigation and prove my point that so-and-so was guilty um, and, uh, and just would not let go. And he has that. Um, 
I mean, there are other things that are just very different. I mean, he, you know, he self-medicates with, um, you know, cocaine and alcohol, which I didn't do. Um, and, and, and so, you know, and, 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 and so, as I say, that there are uh, things, you know, and then there are other characters who are sort of amalgams of, of real people yeah. that I encountered. And, and I suppose, in a sense, one of the bigger themes for me and I, I, I think that this is some, something that, you know, from, from what Imran just said, that he will um, sort of slightly connect with. So as a journalist over decades, one of the things that I observed repeatedly were the number of sociopaths, borderline psychopaths who got right to the top of politics or business or the media. <laughs> And so, you know, at, at, at the heart of the book is this is this question, how far would those individuals go to protect themselves? Um, and, it, you know, and this is something that I would have liked to have perhaps talked about a bit more in a uh, nonfiction context. But actually, the laws of libel in this country are such that, you know, once you start naming people and calling them sociopaths or psychopaths, you know, you're in quite serious jeopardy, yeah. as it were. So I, did think, I did think fiction was a way of exploring these ideas. Yeah, yeah, and with with shows like uh, you know the, the popularity of something like Succession at the moment, and we just had one of its writers, Georgia Pritchett, on on this podcast. You know, um, it, it's 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 definitely that um, touching on the psycho sort of uh big business corporation you know and we're all fascinated aren't we by it and and sometimes shocked um imran was was zander based on any one or or an experience or something how did that sort of how did that character come to you oh um <laughs> if i was just thinking about uh that as you were talking to robert and um so so with the um first book which is about which is uh, you don't know me which is about a young man who is on trial for murder and he, he gives his own closing speech he he is a young he's a 19 year old um, black uh, man who is living in the inner city um, and that character was formed of the experiences I'd kind of gathered in my years um, doing criminal cases when I met lots of different people but Zander mm. was a totally different story he in fact is largely based on a person I met um, when I was 15 and so um, there was a local library uh, I used to go to um, where I was growing up in Liverpool and um, every week or so a man would come in and he was kind of head to toe in slept in deeply weathered clothes you know, he stank to high heaven, he had a big, thick, matted beard, and he would come in. And I, initially I thought, oh, he's just coming in to, you know, get away from the cold and get away from the weather. And it turns out that, yes, he was, but he was also reading. And the things that he was reading was really surprising to me as a 15-year-old. He was reading The New Scientist, he was reading kind of all these books on astrophysics um, and literature. And uh, he saw me once uh, reading some thing in French because I was um, reading French for A-level and he said oh do you want to buy some French books and I kind of looked at him <laughs> and said uh, yeah okay <laughs> and he came in the next day with kind of Moliere and Maupassant and Gide and Sartre and all these books that we were studying uh, you know and he was offering them to me at kind of rock bottom prices and I, that set me thinking and I thought well, I wonder where he's getting them from I wonder where he's storing them. 
you know, what's his life like? It didn't occur mm. to me once that we were in a library and he could be getting them from the library, storing them <laughs> in the library, <laughs> selling them out of the library. Um, but, he, you know, he was... Uh, and then eventually I met a, a teacher uh, of mine and he'd seen me talking to this guy. And I said, oh, well, you know, who, who is he? And he said, oh, he's... A, he was a kind of one of our best students, and he went off to Oxford, and he got a double first there, reading something or other, and he was a real high flyer in the city. And then nobody knows what happened to him. He came back to Liverpool, and he was kind of in the condition that we see him now. And nobody really knows what happened mm. in the intervening years. And I just thought, you know, in those... I remember having a chat with him, and I said... I said, I heard you in Oxford. He said, yeah. And I said, well, you could be rich. <laughs> and he said, yes, but I, you know, I don't want to be. And I couldn't, I couldn't work that out as a 15-year-old. I couldn't work out mm. why, if you had the ability to, to, to do something great, how what I classified as great as a 15-year-old, why wouldn't you? Why would you let it go to waste? And he just said, well, look, I've done my bit for society. It's time for you lot to do yours. And I said, okay. And then that, cause the, the, the man himself, he stayed with me all those years. Mm. And that's how that character was formed. It was a, a theft, I'm afraid. Mm. <laughs> it wasn't real imagination. <laughs> I haven't got the imagination that Robert's got. I've just kind of stole <laughs> a real person. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think we all base all our characters on people we've encountered at different times, don't you think? I mean, it's, uh, 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 you know, there probably are, you know, well, I'm sure there are. Of course, there are amazing writers who somehow pluck something out of nowhere. But, uh, you know, most of us just sort of observe people and, you know, build up our own sort of ideas of who they are and then merge them. With, you know, so, yeah. yeah. Well, I wonder whether that's, in fact, the, the best way of doing it so that if the characters have a sense of reality um, so that they don't... F- because because one of the pr- problems with with writing I don't enjoy that much is... You, you get a character and they are kind of split personality. So, you know, they won't react in the way that you would expect that character to react because they haven't, I've, maybe because they haven't been fully thought through. Um, which is one of the reasons I love Succession, um, you having talked about it, because those characters are so deeply kind of ra- it, complete. I mean, they're all narcissists, which is great. Oh, yeah. Because it's so compelling. But you way. know them and you know their you know where they're coming from, don't you? Because yeah. they're so I mean, it's, it's, In a way, it's a real accomplishment because they've taken a load of characters you'd otherwise hate if you ever met them in real yeah. life and you'd have yeah. no time for them because they are totally self-obsessed and overprivileged and not very nice and yet, you know, really watchable. Yeah. I suppose like... Don't you, think, but don't, you, but don't you think the characters one likes best in books are always... And they're not always as bad as 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 you know some of the succession characters, as it were. In, 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 uh, but 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 flaws, flaws, flaws are what make people you know, and particularly characters in books, compelling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and they're the fun ones to write, aren't they? Oh yeah, much, much, much. much well, yeah, much more fun as you yeah. as <laughs> as you say. But it's this, it's this, it's this. Um, authenticity is what one is striving for isn't it and you know a world in which people can you know completely believe and immerse themselves um and it, it was i mean having written as i say the difference between fiction and, and and non-fiction i mean it's such it's such a different kind of um pursuit non-fiction 
sorry, mm. fiction, well, well, but yeah, but obviously both, as it were. Uh, I mean, I'm much, funnily enough, I'm much more enjoyed writing fiction. I mean, uh, in you know, it's not, 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 I mean, I'll, I will write more nonfiction, but it was just so much just being able to, um, write what was on your mind, you know, uh, you know, let your, let your imagination rip as it were, was just so much fun. Mm. Uh, when you're doing, um, you know, nonfiction, you've got to weigh every word, you've got to work out whether you're being fair to people, you've got to work out whether it's accurate and, you know, and objective. And you don't have to do any of that crap when you're writing. Literally, <laughs> you can write what you like, it's wonderful. Yeah, that's totally true. Didn't you write a, a a book in your twenties, Robert? That you put in a drawer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, it's uh, I haven't had a I haven't had the guts to look at it actually since. <laughs> I, I did write something which I think was probably not very good that is sitting in it. it is, I do I do know where it is. I haven't had the guts to look at it. It's it's it was you know it's it's on. Do you remember that that funny Amstrad paper with the holes dotted? You know the, the hole punches. It, yeah. it was completely on an Amstrad. <laughs> You know, one day I'll have the uh, if the book hasn't faded. One day I'll have the confidence to look at it. Um, you might look. You might get it out of the drawer and see it's a masterpiece. You know, and, and get right. it get it published straight away. I promise my publishers a, a follow up. Maybe I'll just give them that. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and very quickly, Iran, because uh, you mentioned your debut novel, "You Don't Know Me." Now, this this has been made, it's being made, or it has now been made into a TV series, hasn't it? Uh, it has been made. Um, it is a four-parter BBC Netflix, and it's the thing. <laughs> I keep asking them, "When is it going to be?" <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, and I, and I keep asking them, "When is it going to be aired?" And they always say, "Oh, it's all very um, smoke and mirrors," and they, they're not very happy about telling you the scheduling people. It's all very. It's a dark art, and so they won't tell me when it <laughs> when it is. All I can tell you because this is all I know, is that it's soon, and it's soon in the sense of before Christmas. Oh, oh right. Yeah. So it's this year. This right. year, before Christmas, and it's in four parts. And I've seen um, um, two of the episodes. I was, I was allowed to go and watch them. And, yeah, although the cast is you know, a young and new cast, um, they are you know, a really, really talented bunch. Yeah, it's, Did I you get involved in um, the script writing, or did you hand it over? Um, I, I had Tom Edge, um, who is a kind of master screenwriter, assigned to it. Amazing. Yeah, I mean, he's just, he, I mean, he, A, he's so talented, and B, he's so kind of bright that there was no room for someone like me in it. <laughs> I had nothing you went to down bring a, to the table. <laughs> you went down and got your clapperboard, though, didn't you? I sure did. I sure did. They, they gave me a clapperboard <laughs> with the last scene on it. Um, which That's is nice. which is on my bookshelf. I should have brought it down, and I could have clapped away. <laughs> 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 cool. Yeah, it's uh, honestly, it's the, it's been incredible as an experience. I've been very spoiled. I bet. Well, we're, we're excited to see it. So, um, yeah, fingers crossed that it does make it before before Christmas this year. Yeah. Um, I always like to ask my guess what they've been reading and enjoying recently it's one of those questions where if I get asked it I run a mile and my brain goes into a fog and I can't remember what I read yesterday uh but I'm not answering it so that's that's why I feel that I can ask it to you guys um is there a a book or a couple of books that that you've read recently don't have to be new books but just ones that you sort of enjoyed and and picked up Imran maybe you go first 
Yeah, so um, I um, earlier this year read a book called The Last House on Needless Street uh, mm. by Catriona Ward, which is extraordinary. Um, if you're looking for something different, it has you know, kind of five points of view. It even has, <laughs> I mean, it sounds mad, but it, one, of, one of the characters <laughs> is a cat, um, yes. a talking cat, which <laughs> sounds crazy and of course it is crazy but um it all comes good in the end and it's just a you know it's a work of quite staggering um genius in many ways um so i've been reading that um i have um been given what's weird is that as soon as you've you've written your first book then everybody starts throwing um books at you which is brilliant so i get lots of advanced (laughs) copies like hundreds of them so i've got a big pile of advanced um Copy. So I've been working my way through those. So, so she's um, got a new one out called Sundial. Um, I read a great book recently by Jason Malt, who I think you've had on. Oh, here, I, called I have, and I love that book. Yeah, oh, hell God, of a book. What an, what extraordinary he was. Book. He was the. Yeah, he was on our first episode of this series, and I, I think it's wonderful. That. Yeah, I have a lot of love for that book, and I've been um, I've been telling everybody who I meet about it because it's mm. so great. Um, yeah, and. I'm currently reading the new one by Sarah Vaughan called Reputation, which is also, you know, it's a, I've, I've described it as a bag of fireworks. It really is. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> really Stick great. that on the cover. Yeah, and, and Death in the East by Abir Mukherjee. That's obviously, he's a, such a talent. I've been reading that. Yeah, that's oh, we love him. Yeah. yeah. What a good, oh, that's a good list. Nice varied list. And what about you, Robert? Have you, have you found any time to be reading? So, um yeah, I mean, I, I uh, have always got sort of various books on the go and, and, and sort of one of the slightly annoying things is um, I don't, you know, I've got too many that I haven't quite finished, which is always yeah. very, uh, <laughs> yeah. very frustrating. Um, and, and actually, like Imran, I get sent the most astonishing numbers of books and it is a bit... Um, a bit overwhelming actually um so i mean i'm reading um for a, a friend that there's a, a sort of historian uh a bloke called christopher leg who um is rather a brilliant uh bloke who's who sent me his latest book which uh is it's history but it's written in a, a sort of fictional style it's called in the lion house and it's about um the uh, the sort of tension between the Holy Roman Empire and the Ottoman Empire in the 16th century. And, and the reason I, I mean, it, it, and, and he writes about all the characters, uh, you know, uh, it, it, as, as though it were some great epic, as it were. And he, yeah. so I, mean, I'm, I'm, I'm three quarters of the way through it and it is, I mean, it's definitely better than Game of Thrones. Uh, and, 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 um, uh, just as gory and you know it's it's yeah. it's, uh, it's 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 rather brilliant um and then i suppose the the the, the last sort of uh, sort of bit of fiction which is a bit of escapism which is i love uh dorothy l sayers i mean i just you know uh, 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 yep. peter Whimsey, i think it's just one of the great uh you know uh, sort of certainly crime writing characters and there was just one i thought i'd read everything and then bizarrely i discovered i hadn't read what it actually is absolutely one of the best that she ever wrote was um which is called um 
I think, oh God, I can remember. It's a very weird title. It's called um, Have His, and I, don't, I still don't really know how you pronounce this, but um, it, it, it's, it's a play on habeas corpus and it's called Have His Car Case. And it's an absolutely, it's, it's just funny and gripping and learned. I mean, she was, I don't know how much you know about her. She was an extraordinary character. I mean, um, really tough, really independent. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, had a really actually had a very difficult life. Um, uh, 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 you know, I'm slightly surprised nobody recently. She would, I mean, I think a new autobiography of her about her would just be gripping because, um, you know, she she really was a very colourful, very powerful individual. Um, anyway, it's a brilliant book. I can't, I, uh, and if you like, if you like detective, I do think she's the absolute. I think she's massively underrated these days. Mm. Um, you know, brilliant. She gets talked about a lot actually, and yeah. and always always in that way of saying, you know, we she's she's not known enough actually and every every conversation i've ever had with someone about her has always been the same saying oh I mean, you know they but... made this really lousy you know there were various films and tv series that sort of softened it and made it into a sort of soap opery kind mm. of soft thing but actually there's an incredible edge to everything that she writes and there's a great wit wit to everything she writes yeah well you know in between presenting your programs writing in extra fiction you could do the biography of her the, the brand new one robert you just fit that in well i have funny, it, did cross my, it did cross my mind the other day could be fun yeah, it, would be very, it would be very interesting uh, i've just got to fit it in somewhere yeah. um, I, I, I i my problem one of my many flaws is i do always take on way too much at any particular time um drives family mad yeah. <laughs> Thank you for those uh, brilliant recommendations and varied recommendations. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And now it's time for the book off. This is where each of you is going to pitch us a book that you love and that you think we should all read. And you're going to get three minutes to do so uninterrupted. You don't have to, 
use all the three minutes, but if you're still talking at the three-minute mark, I'll either be ringing you out with a school bell or giving you a good old honk of the bicycle horn to let you know your time is up. Um, before we get going, Robert, uh, would you like to go first or second? I don't mind. I'm literally relaxed either way. Very relaxed. All right. And which book, which book are you putting forward for us? So I'm actually putting forward a book that I read very recently, um, and it's called Last Summer in the City by Gianfranco Caligaric. Um, and I found it by utter chance, um, and I won't spoil, spoil, spoil the contest by telling you why I've chosen it. Um, but it, I, it was just, it was a, it, I always, quite often the books that you, that you love most are f- found by serendipity, and this absolutely was. Um, okay. I just picked it up. In a, I just picked it up in a bookshop recently and couldn't put it down. Oh, fantastic! Uh, and Iran, uh, at the three-minute mark, would you prefer the bicycle horn or the school bell to ring you out? Oh, I like the idea of a ho- bicycle horn. Has a kind bicycle of com- horn, comedy yeah. feel to it. A yeah. clown horn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll go for that. <laughs> and what book are you putting forward? Um, I'm going to go with uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. I've heard of it. Yeah, um, okay. Right, well, in, it, <laughs> <just> amazing, <but. laughs> in, uh, in that case, Robert, how about you go first? I'm going to put three minutes on the clock. Uh, as I said, you don't need to use it all um, to tell us. So it's three minutes on the clock to tell us about last summer in the city. Over to you. So I've chosen last summer in the city. Uh, and the reason, the main reason I've chose, chosen it is because, and I don't know if, if we're going to, Think of this as being, um, you know, the, the revenge of the patriarchy or um, the, you know, a, a, a sign that, you know, we, we've all got to recognise the problems of, of, of gender and sexuality, even when that gender is male. And it's basically a book of, of a sort that I haven't read in years, which is it is about a, a relatively young man. He's sort of in his uh, around 30 years old. And he's just tortured and he's trying to make his way in life. And it's basically about being um, a young man in Rome, in this case, in the early 70s. um, uh, And being um, just in a world of uh, powerful people again in, in the media, Funny that I'm interested in 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 that, but he um, has terrible uh, addiction problems with alcohol. Um, he has desperate trouble forming relationships with women, um, and it explores all these things through male eyes. In a you know, we, and it was I mean, it was written in the 1970s, and actually, interestingly, one of the one of the reasons I enjoyed it is because um, I haven't read a book about uh, you know essentially what are very profound in his case mental health issues but seen very much from a male perspective I haven't read a book like that for years um, and I just thought in a way um, it, it was sort of healthy to have a book I mean it's not actually I just found it you know evocative and gripping and you know uh, the, the, all the characters are beautifully drawn actually the, the, the biggest character of all is Rome um, and again, astonishingly beautifully depicted. But for me, the most important thing about it is, um, and he's not a hero at all. Uh, he's a very 
sad, tortured individual, but it's very much to told from the man's perspective. And, I, I, you know, it's simply that, 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 that these days you don't get people, you know, if, if anybody tries to write a book from, 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 from I mean, they're, they're just not around, really. Um, uh, and uh, so, um, and, and this is not by, by, you know, this is not remotely to say that, um, you know, every book has to be, you know, told from the man's perspective. But it was just, it, 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 it just resonated, it just resonated with me in a, a it took me back to being basically a tortured adolescent, if I'm completely honest with you, partly. Um, there we go. <laughs> that's, that's your three men's, and that was fab. And it's a yeah. book I don't know, Robert, at all. And um, we'll come back and talk very briefly about it in a moment. But you can take a, a breather and have a, a sip of tea, because uh, I'm going to put three minutes back on the clock for you, Imran. Okay, well, uh, to well, tell I us, buy, uh, he sold me. By the way, I want, I want to buy that. Yeah, uh, I know, yeah, and me. <laughs> so it's three minutes on the clock uh, to tell us about this little-known works by uh, Harper Lee. Yeah, I feel a, a bit like I've cheated um, because I've picked <laughs> to kill a mockingbird. Yeah, so um, it is a book not just about racism or, or poverty or injustice or morality. It's about all of those things, but it's also about... The thing I like about it most is that it's a book about uh, lost innocence, I suppose. And um, that moment in time when you, um, when you turn from being a child into an adult, where you're kind of navigating all of that uh, territory... Uh, it's a book which is told from the um, first-person perspective of um, young Scout, a girl who's probably between... I think she starts off at six and then she kind of grows into about ten years old. Uh, it's her and her brother and they kind of are navigating their way through this sleepy Alabama town, made-up town, I think, fictional town, Maycomb town. And um, I think it's in the Great Depression, we're in the 30s, and um, you know, it's just a fascinating story. The father is a uh, is a lawyer, and he's probably the only lawyer that's ever been portrayed on TV or in uh, literature who's been a good guy. <laughs> and as a lawyer, it always hurts me when all the lawyers are <laughs> painted as evil monsters. So he was an automatic favourite. And there he is. He's teaching, and we watch as he's teaching his children about the importance of justice and about the importance uh, of. Uh, having a strong moral centre and he's impassioned and he believes and you know he ends up representing a man who's falsely accused of rape um, Tom Robinson a black man who is found guilty and then you've got this moment where these children who've been taught about justice and morality and right and wrong witness uh, the dichotomy between the thought and the reality how, how the world often doesn't match or meet the very high standards that you know even children, particularly children, uh, have, and I think it's just told in such a fragile and innocent way that it's that's the power of it. She's talking about the horrors of racism and injustice, and it's being told by a child. And, and then you've got the kind of mystery element of Boo Radley, and it's kind of weaved in beautifully. And Boo Radley is also a pop group, so you know that's an added, <laughs> that's an added, an added bonus. Um, and I think it's just sublime, and it's you know, 
and and also it's not a t- it's not this isn't inherent genius by Harper Lee because I've read her second book which is terrible. <laughs> this is, you know, the uh, kind of all of the forces combining, conspiring to produce a, a work of sheer brilliance. You know, it's a it's it's a book for everyone for, for children. For, for Very good. You were bringing it to a natural end there, anyway, weren't you? Fab, you <laughs> look. <laughs> I think it's um, yeah. I think it's hard to, to 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 sell a book, you know, to to pitch a book that is so known, so well known, and and so loved. So well done. I was I've written loads down, but we haven't got that much time left. But to come back to yours, Robert, to your choice, uh, last summer in the city, which I said I, I didn't know. I, I'm already uh, fascinated by the sound of it. I love um, the idea of. Well, and and the descriptions you said of, of of Rome in it, this sort of evocative and gripping story, set in nineteen seventies Rome, um, and the stunning depictions, the fact that it's told from you know this male perspective and male eyes, um, it just sounds really interesting. And the, and I, I I also love the fact you picked it up in a bookshop and just started reading it, and you were sort of gripped and had to buy it. You know, I love that. Um, and Imran, your <laughs> you've said all the right things haven't you you've said all the right things about to kill a mockingbird i mean it is but but one thing i suppose i haven't really ever properly thought of is you said that the you know the power of it is in the fragility and the innocence of who's telling the story about these you know about racism and these awful things that are happening and actually that is it isn't it that's it's part of its complete genius um oh, i mean this is two very different books do you have do you not pick to kill a mockingbird i mean i don't know how don't know what to do really guys i thought both those pictures were great i mean if you, everyone's read to kill a mockingbird right have they i don't know maybe they yeah, haven't i, think, I, think but they I, must have. I feel like they have so let's give Last summer in the city, a little chance, shall we? A, a lesser-known right. book, but Quite right. also we should say because because your picture was brilliant, Imran, and I do think it's hard to to try and bring up some new thoughts on something that's been talked about for for so often. But um, if you haven't read it, anyone listening, because I know it could be one of those ones that everyone goes, "Oh yeah, I really should." Oh, it is a masterpiece, isn't it? So. Yeah, or or you might have read it as a child, as this kind of a school set piece, but That's it's true. a different book when you when you read it as an That's old true. man like me. <laughs> <laughs> but we should all check out uh, Gianfranco Caligari. Is that how you say Cali? I don't know. I say Caligari. I've never met him, so I don't know. Let's call it Caligari. And thank you for bringing it to our attention, Robert, and uh, for that brilliant pitch as well. And The Whistleblower by Robert Peston is out now. It's published by Bonnier. And I Know What I Saw by Imran Mahmood is also out, published by Raven. And what an absolute pleasure to spend this time with you. Thank you both for joining me. Thanks for your recommendations and hope to see you both again very soon. Thanks so much for having uh, me. It was the greatest fun. Yes, thank you. Thank you to both of you. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. What was that? 
Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.